Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. All right, you guys ready to go? Here we go. All right. So in the Old Testament, there's this story about when God brings the children of Israel out of Egypt and he brings them into the promised land. And of course, they're out there in this desert for a while, for a long time. A lot of you know this story. And they have no food or no water, right? And so God provides manna for them, which is literally food from heaven. I don't have time to get into all of what that means, but like food drops down every single day from heaven. Okay, and the Lord Jesus, when he's on this earth, he uses this concept to, to, to continue throughout the New Testament and he relates it to the word of God. And he says phrases like this. He says, uh, people won't live just by bread alone. But they're gonna live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. All right, so when I said just a few minutes ago that, hey, the only one that can give you anything this morning is the Holy Spirit, that's what we're gonna ask him to do. So we're just gonna pray together real quick. We're just gonna pray that his word, the word, the Bible says that Jesus is the word, and he come into this place, and he ministered to you right where you need it, okay? Come on, let's pray and agree together. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that's here. And now, Lord, we just pray that you quiet our hearts, God you would break up the fallow ground in there, that you would, you, would, you would mess with us this morning. God, that you would come in and that you would change us, that the word of God would penetrate our hearts. Lord, we pray that no person in here would leave the same way that they came in. But when we walk out of this place today, that we're gonna be closer to you. We're gonna be more full of your spirit, Father. We're gonna look like you, we're gonna walk like you, and we're gonna talk like you. Father, we thank you for doing it. It's in Jesus' name we all agree together and say amen and amen. Can you give it up for Ray and this wonderful band and the worship team that works so hard every week to take us into the presence of the Lord? We're so thankful for him. Hey, we're gonna start out this morning. We're gonna read in Psalms 112. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Uh, so if you have your Bible, if you have a... Uh, mobile device, and you want to read along with me, that's great. Uh, otherwise, they're going, to have the, uh, they're going to have the scripture up there on the screen. Okay, we're going to start reading in verse 1 in Psalms 112. It says, praise the Lord. Everybody say, praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commandments. Their children will be successful everywhere. How many of you want your kids to be successful? All right. An entire generation of godly people are gonna be blessed. All right, so he's laying a groundwork here and he's saying, hey, this is what a believer should look like, right? He says, they themselves will be wealthy. Hey, that's not a bad thing, right? And their good deeds will last forever. Verse four says, light shines in the darkness for the godly. They're generous, compassionate, and righteous, all right? And so it keeps building. We're gonna skip to verse six. It says, such people will not be overcome by evil. Listen, this is a promise to you. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will long be remembered. And here's the kicker, verse seven and eight. These are the ones that I love. This is what I live by. I've got this on a note in my phone. Somebody needs to highlight this, copy this down, put it in your phone, plaster it on your wall, print it out. It says, they do not fear bad news. Listen, if you're waiting for bad news, if you're waiting for 
one of your kids to call and something's gone wrong or you're waiting for a bad report from the doctor. It says they don't fear bad news. You know why? Let me just pause right here. I'm sorry. God doesn't ever want you to be anxious about anything. All right, now listen, let that sink in for a second because you're gonna wanna remember that phrase tomorrow. God doesn't ever want you to be anxious about anything. Like anything? Anything. He wants us to come to him. All right, so it says they don't fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. Verse eight says they are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. Who wants to be confident and fearless and face your foes triumphantly? Listen, so let, I'm going to talk to you about where I am in life right now, okay? Um, if they could put, I, I sent a picture. If they could put that first picture up. All right, this is my life right now, okay? So my wife and I had this discussion for like five years because I wanted a recliner, okay? And look, I admit it, recliners are kind of ugly. I, I know that, Okay, I don't think that one's half bad, okay? But she finally caved, I won, right? And she bought me a recliner, okay? So this is what my life looks like right now. Look, I know, I get it, I'm, I'm there, I'm a dad, just let me, let me, let me be me, okay? So, so here's what I love to do now. My dog is like laying there and he's being lazy, that's what I like, he was a puppy, he was full of the devil for two years. Don't ever get a board door puppy. Look, I said, if we, I told my wife, I said, if you, if we ever get a puppy again, I will flee the country. You'll never see me again. Like, I'll just be gone. But he's getting lazier now. He's getting a little fatter and he kind of lays around and this is what I like, right? So I like to come home and sit in this chair and just relax. So, so let's rewind a little bit. Last Sunday, okay, we have church in here and I come home after the service and I get in my recliner, okay, and I turn on Amazon Prime, okay, and I'm looking for a movie, looking for a movie to watch. Now, Megan will tell you that I have a knack for finding dumb movies, okay? I think they're underappreciated movies, all right? But I do, there's something in me that I like that like cringy feel that when it's just, ooh, that's bad, right? It's really bad acting. Like there's something in me that I like it. Um, and so I find this movie last week, all right? And it's got Chuck Norris in it, okay? How many Chuck Norris fans we got? All right. So, so let me, <laughs> God, I can't even believe I'm saying this. All right, let me lay out the, the, the begin, the, just the opening scene, okay? because I don't know what this movie's about. I just see Chuck on the cover, and I'm like, yeah, man, okay? So the opening scene shows this, like, military helicopter, okay? There's no explanation at all. It just blows up, all right? I don't know if a missile hit this thing, if a bomb hit it. Like, I don't know what's going on, right? But this military helicopter just blows up. That's the very opening scene. And then you see this other military helicopter <laughs> come down, and it lands, and Chuck Norris peeks his face out of, the, out, of the, out of the door, right, of the helicopter, okay? And now, he's got this look of, like, just irritation, of just, like, disgust, like, I got to deal with this, you know, with all this, right? Like, if I were in this situation, I'm going into a war, like, I'm going to be scared to death, or I'm at least going to be focused, right? And he's just kind of, like, like, irritated. And so he gets on the ground, and he gets out, and he asks one of the ground troops, who are out there about one of his buddies. And he's like, hey, where's this guy? And they're like, he's in the helicopter that just exploded. And so all of a sudden, this look of, 
uh, resolve comes on Chuck Norris's face and he starts marching towards the helicopter, right? And they're like, no, you can't go in there. You know, it's on fire. And like, you're, you're never going to survive. And he just keeps on marching, right? And so his commander's like, get back here right now. And he just keeps on marching. He keeps on going. And they're like, hey, whatever his name is. I don't remember. Oh, it's McCoy. That's what it was. They're like, McCoy, the, the fuel bladder's getting ready to explode. And he just keeps on marching, right? He goes, so he gets in there and his buddy is trapped. So the, the, the thing exploded and there's like this Jeep trapped on top of his butt. Has anybody ever seen this movie, what, what I'm talking about? All right, there's a couple, okay. And so this Jeep is on top of this guy. So he goes over and he like picks the Jeep up and the guy like wiggles out of it and he throws him over his shoulder and he walks and he's got that same look of resolve on his face and he's got him over his shoulder and he gets him to the helicopter to safety like just in time, right? Okay, now I'm sitting here like eating nachos, like watching Chuck whip people around, right? And I'm thinking like, hey, if I were in that, if I were in that scenario, like, like how, what would I be feeling? Like, I don't think it'd be the same resolve that Chuck has, right? I, like, I think I'd be, if, if I even went in the helicopter, I'd be like going as quick as I can, be like, dude, we're gonna have to cut your leg off if we're gonna get you out of here. Like, I can't pick up that Jeep. Like, I'm gonna throw you over my shoulder, but you might have to like limp a little bit and I'll carry you along. Like, I don't think I'm gonna have, and, and it reminded me of this scripture in Psalms 112 that says they're confident and fearless, and can face their foes triumphantly, right? Now, now here's the thing. I might have had that thought to rescue the dude out of the helicopter, okay? But, but here's, the, here, here's what I want you to get for your life. That confidence is what turns your thoughts into actions, okay? See, Chuck had a confidence that he could go and he could accomplish that mission. And he could, he could do the thing that he was needed to do. I had this friend years ago, and this guy, uh, he, he's absolutely brilliant. He really is. And he would call me like once a week with like a new idea or a new invention or a new something. And I'm telling you, if he would have acted on one of these things, like he really was brilliant. If he would have acted on one of these things, like he'd be a millionaire today. But you know what? He lacked confidence. He lacked the confidence to do anything with those things and to make them turn into action right? And so there are two reasons I think it's important to talk about this this morning. Number one is I believe that everybody who's in this room, in fact, I believe everybody who's on the earth in 2022 has an assignment from God, okay? And number two, I believe in the devil. I believe that he's real, and I believe that he wants to keep you in anxiety and in fear, not in faith and confidence, because you have a job to do, and he doesn't want you to do it. He doesn't want you to accomplish it, all right? So I've had four conversations in the last month, four conversations that I can think of off the top of my head of people who knew that they were called to do something. Like, these are me and them conversations. They were called to do something, and they know they were, and they just lacked a little bit of the courage and the confidence in order to step out and do it, all right? So Jesus talks about this quite a bit, and he tells this story. There, there's this story about Jesus in John chapter four, and we're gonna go there, 
And Jesus maps this out so well in John chapter four. And so most of you know this story. We commonly refer to it as the woman at the well, but I'm gonna take it a little bit further. This is a woman at a well in a place called Samaria. Okay, so she was a Samaritan, right? So this is an interaction between a Samaritan and a Jew, okay? Which Jesus tells another story about an interaction between a Samaritan and a Jew that we know of as the Good Samaritan. So this is a, this is a big theme in the New Testament, right? These two cultures interacting, all right? And so, uh, so uh, John chapter four says that this woman comes there at about noon, and it says that Jesus starts a conversation uh, with her by saying, please give me something to drink. And by the way, the word please there is kind of questionable whether he said that or not. He most likely said, give me something to drink, okay? Now let's take a step back from this story for a second because we read this and we've read this a lot of times and you've heard stories about this. And so it's kind of common to you. It's kind of familiar, right? And Jesus did it, so it's gotta be okay. But I wanna explain there's nothing normal about this story. There's nothing regular about the way he introduces this concept, all right, so, so this would be, so first of all, how many of you have been to Kings Island this year? Raise your hand. All right, so raise your hand if you have the food pass at Kings Island, okay? Does anybody have the food pass? No? All right, so we got the food pass, right? Which I'm gonna say is pretty dang good, all right? Now listen, I did a break-even analysis because this is the kind of nerd that I am. I did a spreadsheet on how many times we have to go, how many man meals we have to eat in order to make this thing worth it, all right? Now, it's a little bit different depending on how many passes you get and how many people are in your family, right? But if you need some help, come to me and I'm gonna give you a meal pass, <clears throat> all right? But this would be like me going to Kings Island and let's say I walk up to Jenny at Kings Island, okay? And let's say that I don't, no, let's pretend for a second that I don't have a meal pass, first of all, because I like to go and I like to use that meal pass. I like the pulled pork, by the way. The pulled pork's really good. So let's say that I go to Kings Island and I don't know Jenny, Okay, and I walk up to Jenny, right, just like this, and I say, get me the pulled pork. <laughs> this is super awkward, right? This is super weird. Like, I don't know this person, and I'm just going to, and Jesus is coming up to this lady, and he's saying, hey, give me something to drink, right? And you can tell, you can see the awkwardness in the, in the story because she, she immediately says to him, she says, why are you asking me for something to drink? And she immediately says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. All right, there's a barrier that we're immediate. She says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman, right? There's a barrier that we're gonna have to overcome, right? There are some obstacles already that I see between this relationship that we're gonna have to overcome. You know, when I first became a follower of Christ, I really believed that, that Christianity was all about what I could do for God, okay? I believed it was about how good I could be and how much I could serve and how much I could do and how much that I could do for him. And it took me a while to realize that I really don't have anything that God needs. Now, I like to think I do. I like to think I've got all kinds of skills that God just requires, right? But when I'm truly honest with myself, there's nothing in me that God needs. In fact, anything that's good in me that I have, it came from him. So, so, so he says here, he says, he says this phrase to her. He says, if you knew the gift that God has for you, 
and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. You know the reason he wants to give you living water this morning? You know the only reason he wants to give you living water? Is because he loves you, right? There's no strings attached. It's 100% a free gift from the throne of God that he wants to impart to you, right? Now, it's tempting when we read the story, it's tempting to think that when he offers her living water, that she's gonna recognize that he's the Messiah, right? But she doesn't. In fact, he's still, the, he's still the dude at King's Island, right? He's still kind of, this is an awkward interaction. This is an awkward relationship already. And so she says to him, she says in verse 11, she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. She starts pointing out the problems to him with what he's saying about giving her living water. Num problem number one, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is very deep. There's problem number two. And then she goes on with problem number three. And besides, uh, where would you get this living water? And then she lays out problem number four, and this is like the kicker, right? She, she just kind of keeps building. She says, and besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? So listen, last week, uh, Megan and I, my wife and I, we were traveling. We had a, we had a free night stay at an Airbnb uh, in eastern Kentucky, right? So we, we go down there. Uh, this is Monday night that we go down there. And I start seeing these signs uh, along the side of the road, all right? And the first sign I didn't get a picture of because it's kind of a normal sign. It said, like, no littering, right? They don't want people to litter, okay? That makes sense. But then I started, like, taking pictures of these signs because I'm like, it's kind of bizarre. So, so let me show you the second sign that I saw. Will you put that picture up? Okay, this sign says $500 for littering, which, hey, is kind of steep, but it kind of makes sense. Now, this is what's ironic, and I swear I didn't notice this until last night, yeah. is there's a milk jug at the bottom of the no littering sign. All right, show them the third picture that I saw. America the Beautiful, hopefully you can see that, Litter bugs destroy it. I'm like, hmm, I've never seen a sign like that before, but okay, I, I, can, I can get with that. And then they just take it overboard with like the fourth sign, all right? So, sh so show them the fourth sign. Litter bugs <laughs> are nasty, useless, worthless scumbags. Like, this is just over the top. This is too much, right? I get it. You're serious about litter, but come on. Like, who puts up road signs like this? And I, and I feel like this is what this, this, this lady is doing. She's trying to make a point with Jesus to say, hey, you can't, and she's ratcheting up, like every argument, like she's ratcheting up the ante, right, to say, you can't give me what you're promising, and here are all of the reasons why. Now, most of you know that Megan and I, my wife and I, we uh, started an organization called Mission Ahava, and we tried to rescue some of the most vulnerable kids in the world, and we actually used to live in Brazil. And at the time that we lived there, uh, when this, in this, the very infancy of this project, uh, this thing was one orphanage, uh, but at the time, it was supported by one individual church, right? And we were down there, and we lived there. Um, and I remember while we were there, uh, this woman came to us, and she said, she said, hey, I want to pray for you guys. And we didn't know who this was. She, she came into the, to the organization, said, hey, I want to pray with you guys. And I believe God's given me something to speak to you, right? 
And so she prays this really nice, like encouraging prayer over us. And she, she gives us this prophecy, which if you don't know what that is, that's God speaking through someone to talk to you about something that's gonna happen in the future. She gives us this prophecy and she says, she says, God is gonna grow and flourish this organization, but it's not the way that you think that it is. Okay, and, and I remember like, like, what does that even mean? I don't even un- understand that. And it was a couple of weeks later that we came back to the States and the pastors of the church wanted to meet with us. And there was a big situation going on with the exchange rate between the two countries and the dollar was a little weaker at the time and the, the Brazilian hey, I was a little stronger. And so, so they, they were pumping out like $28,000 a month, right, in order, to, in order to just keep this thing afloat. And they said, look, we have to close it. Like we have no option. We're, we're gonna have to close this thing. And so we tried to talk them out of it and we tried to work with them and, and, and there was just no use. And they gave us this deadline. I remember it was like four months or something like that. And when there's four months to a deadline like that, to a terrible situation, you got a lot of faith, right? You're like, okay, we're gonna be all right. Like, we're gonna keep this thing open. I'm gonna call some pastors that I know. Like, we're gonna get on the phone with some judges. We're gonna go around Sao Paulo. We're gonna get all the support that we can. We're gonna raise the money and make this thing happen, right? But I start calling pastors and like, oh yeah, that's good. We wanna support you. We'll give you a hundred bucks a month, right? And a couple of, couple of them did that. And a couple of people said, well, we don't have any money to give you, but we'll, we'll donate some clothing and things like that. And, and so three months come and then two months come and then one month comes and then three weeks and two weeks. And we get down to the very last week before we're supposed to turn in our final paperwork to the judge to request transfer of all these children. And look, I know the organizations that these kids are about to go to, and they're not good places. And so I'm praying, and I'm like, God, like you, you spoke a word to us that said you were gonna, you were gonna grow this thing, not, not close it. And so I remember it was two days before it was on the Wednesday. We were supposed to turn in our final paperwork on a Friday. It was two days before it was on a Wednesday. And we get this call from this politician in Brazil, and I didn't even know who she was, never even heard her name. But she had a conversation with a pastor that I had had a conversation with like two years prior. And she says, hey, I wanna talk to you guys. And look, I'll be honest, I didn't even wanna go because like I I got other things to worry about. I got other things to take care of. But I'm like, well, maybe she knows somebody that can help us out, right? And so Miriam, who is our bookkeeper at the time, Miriam and I, we end up going to this meeting. And I remember it's the most bizarre thing ever. Like it's the most, it's the weirdest meeting I've ever been in, right? We sit down behind this counter and this woman introduces herself, right? She's this senator or this politician and she takes our paperwork and she starts looking it over and she's kind of asking a couple of questions. And then like she doesn't say anything. She takes the paperwork and puts it in her little bag and gets her purse and gets her jacket and stands up and just walks out. Like, doesn't say bye, the meeting's over, like nothing. So Miriam, we're, like, we're looking at each other like, what just happened? Like, are we done, I guess? She got the information she needs. So all of a sudden, her assistant comes in the door, and he's like, hey, you should be following her. And we're like, oh, okay, yeah. So we get up, and we're walking down the hallway. And I get out in the hallway just in time to see her duck into this uh, uh, elevator, Right, and so she gets in the elevator, so we like go over there and like, I get in the elevator, right? She still has not said a word to us about what we're doing, where we're going, nothing. And we get down to the, they take us to the like basement floor in this elevator, 
and it's, it's a parking garage, and she's got a car, and she gets out of the elevator and right into the car. She still has not said a word. So you know how you, like, you do something and you're like, I don't know if this is right, but like, so I just get in the car. There's three seats in the back seat, and I like scoot over right next to her, and she doesn't tell me to get out, so I assume that I'm doing the right thing. And Miriam gets in, and we're kind of side-eyeing each other, like, what the heck is going on, right? And she takes us, she takes us right to the mayor's office in Sao Paulo. Now, let, let me tell you something. This whole time, I was saying stuff to God, like, like, like God, this well is deep, right? Like, I, I don't have the money to get out of this. I don't have the contacts to get out of this. I don't have the time to get out of this. Like, we've got two days before we're supposed to turn this in. And I'm telling him all the reasons that, that he can't provide what he said that he was gonna provide. And so she takes us into the mayor's office. She walks right into the mayor's office. I don't even know that she knows the mayor of Sao Paulo, right? She walks right into the mayor's office and I'm in like jeans and a t-shirt, right? I'm in like really normal clothes. And so, so we walk in and she says, hey, these people have got a good organization going. And if we don't help them out, they're gonna lose this project. And so beginning in January, I wanna take some of the mayor, mayor's fund, I don't know what word she used, but some of the funds here, and I wanna fund half their project. And by the way, this is just gonna be the beginning. We're gonna start funding more projects in the future that we want you guys to, to be in charge over, that we want you to be aware of. And, and you're gonna run these things and we're gonna bank them 100%. You know the scripture that kept going through my mind the whole time that we were going through these four months? There's a scripture, I think it's 2 Corinthians 9, and it says, uh, it says, my grace is all you need. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. See, what I really wanted, I was praying to God, right? But what I really wanted is for Ryan's abilities to kick in and me to be able to call a bunch of people and pull this whole thing together. But see, that's not how God wanted to do it. There's this little scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 10, and it's where God is gonna bring the children of Israel into the promised land. And he says, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you goods that you didn't produce. I'm gonna give you wells that you didn't dig. And I'm gonna give you vineyards that you didn't plant. And see, that's what God wanted to do through us. He wanted to show himself strong, not show me strong, right? He wanted to show that his plan, that he's the one in control, that he knew the path that we were gonna take. Doesn't matter if you don't know anything. Doesn't matter if you feel lost down there. I know exactly where you are. I've got you on my radar and I've got a plan for your situation. And so you see, that's where he's going with this Samaritan woman. He says, he says that he's the source that he's the water. Look, he says, you don't need a rope. You don't need a bucket. You don't need, even need a well. Like, I'm the water. I'm the living water. And he answers her question in verse 13, if they can put that up. He says, he says, anyone who drinks this water is soon gonna become thirsty again, but those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life. And she says, please, sir, give me this water and then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. 
All right, now here's the thing. Jesus is working hard to get her to a place of conversion, right? Jesus is working hard to get her to this point, right? And now she's heard his spiel and she's ready to sign up. She's ready to sign on the dotted line. She's ready to buy whatever he's got. And so what does Jesus do? As predicted, he does nothing that you or I would do. He says something absolutely crazy to her. She says, give me this living water. And he says, go get your husband. Now, we don't know the full story here, but what we do know is that this woman has had five husbands, okay, which in this culture would have been completely taboo. And that the guy that she's living with right now is not her husband. That's what we know. Okay, and there's a little bit of debate about this, but most scholars believe that she was there at noon because she wanted to avoid the heat of the day, like most women would go and they would get their water early in the morning when it's cool, but she would go at noon because she didn't wanna face the other townspeople, right? She probably felt, whether it was real or not, like people were looking at her and people were pointing at her and maybe saying rude comments about her. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever like done something dumb and like you feel like, like everybody was looking at me and really that may not even be the case. I remember, so my very first car was a, a 1987 Ford Escort, okay? Where's my car people at, right? you just into cars, okay. So this was a 1987 Ford Escort. And you know how normally cars, they have like a model. So you have like a, like a Mustang Cobra or like an F-150 Raptor. Well, this was a, a Ford Escort pony. Like, where was the marketing team on this one, right? Nobody wants to drive a pony, okay? And so I had this Ford Escort pony, and it was a stick shift, so, so there, there was a problem with the starter, right? You would go out sometimes, and it would, like, you would turn it over and fire right up. But then sometimes you'd just hear this little tick, 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 and you'd have to sit there for a long time, and maybe it would work and maybe it wouldn't. But I got this bright idea, okay? So this was a stick shift, all right, and how, how so we're, my car people, what can you do with a stick shift if the starter's not working? You pop the clutch, right, right? So th for those of you who don't know what that is, you just pop the clutch in and out, you can start a vehicle that doesn't, that with, without turning the key, okay? So I was, a, I was in high school, and I would park up at the top of the little hill in my high school, so if the starter didn't work, and, and my dad kept telling me the whole time, he's like, get that starter fixed. And I'm like, eh, it's okay. I got other things to spend my money on, right? And so I'd sit at the top of this hill. So I remember I asked this girl out on a date one time. This was before the love of my life, right? Uh, I asked this girl on a date. And so we were going on this date. And we had gone, <laughs> we had gone out to eat. And we were, I think, going to a movie. And she's like, hey, can you stop by the store? I need to run in and grab a couple things real quick. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And so... So I go to this parking lot, and the first thing I notice is the parking lot is completely flat, like Illinois, right? This thing is flat as can be. There's no incline, and I'm like, well, maybe, okay, it's just gonna work, right? And I'm like, so I get out of the car, and we're walking into the store, and I'm praying the whole time, like, Jesus, please let this starter work. Like, I will serve you. I will give to all the orphans in the whole world if you will just let this starter work, right? And so we get back out there and I'm praying like in the name of Jesus, in the name. And I put the key in and tick, tick, and I'm like, oh. So I'm trying to explain to her. I'm like, yeah, there's a little starter problem. Maybe we can just wait for a minute, right? And it'll, it'll be fine. And so I wait for like five minutes and tick, tick. 
So I got two choices at this point. Right, I either got to come up with something really creative or I'm going to have, have to get her leg, get out and push the car, right? Because she doesn't know how to pop a clutch. So I decide, I get this brilliant idea, okay? I'm going to put it in reverse, okay? I put my right foot on the clutch and my left foot is out the side of the car and I'm pushing it backwards, Okay? Down this aisle in the parking lot in the car, my Ford Escort pony. Now, for all you car people, here's a little trivia question. Do you think you can pop a clutch in reverse? Some of you, okay, some of you are shaking your head yes, some of you are shaking your head no. I'm going to leave you in suspense for a minute, okay? I'm backing the thing up with one foot, okay? By this time, she is completely embarrassed. She's like hiding under the dashboard, okay? And... And it took me two tries, but it will start in reverse if you pop a clutch, okay? So I got the car started, but by the time I get this car started, there are like a thousand people in the parking lot. And they're all like just watching this whole thing go down, right? Like there's this dude with his left leg out the car pushing a Ford Escort pony backwards down the parking lot. It took me two tries, so I had to go like down the entire place, and we're right up by the store by the time this thing gets started, right? Now, look, I don't know if they really were, but I swear, I, by the way, I think this was our last date, me and this girl. I think I felt like everybody was out there, and they're just like looking at me, and, and, and whether that's the case or not, that, that had to have been a tiny little taste of what this woman was feeling. But see, here's the difference. Now, when Jesus comes and he points out her lack, he says, he, he says, go get your husband. When he points out her lack, it's not to bring shame, it's to bring wholeness, okay? So he points directly to what she doesn't have because that's where Jesus shines the brightest. Listen, why would Jesus choose this woman? She's been married five times. She's living with a guy that's not her husband right now. She doesn't, most scholars believe she doesn't even talk to the townspeople. She doesn't have a good relationship with them. Why would he speak this to her? Why would he choose her? And why would he use her? Because that's exactly what he wants to use. He wants to use your weakness to show himself strong through. And so she says to him, she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've, you've had five, the guy you're living with now is, is not your husband. And he says this little phrase. He says, you certainly spoke the truth, right? Now remember that because they go in this conversation about some, some theological stuff about where they should worship. And then Jesus says this phrase in verse 23, if they'll put it up there, he says, hey, the time is coming and indeed it's here now when true worshipers are gonna worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father's looking for those who will worship him that way. So, she, so he says two things. He says, number one, God's a spirit, and we're gonna worship him in spirit. Doesn't matter where you are, you're gonna be able to worship him in your, your spirit, directly communicating to his spirit. And then number, and, and, and look, that part we all seem to be okay with, right? But he says, number two, you're gonna have to worship him in truth. Where worship becomes a matter of the heart rather than ceremony where you kind of have to get honest with yourself and with God so that he can come in and rearrange what he wants to rearrange. Where you kind of have to get real about your shortcomings and your failures 
so that God can come in and show himself strong, amen? So Meg showed me this video the other day. My wife showed me this video of this woman who was introducing herself and she gives all these pronouns, right, to introduce herself. I mean, like a lot of pronouns. It was stuff that I had never heard before and I'm not, I'm not making fun of that. I'm just, <clears throat> she had, and, and, she, and, 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 she, and then she starts rattling off these diagnoses that she has, right? Like mental health diagnoses. And, and it takes her like minutes to get through this introduction. And I said, I said, I said, you know what she's doing? She's just looking for identity. Like she's just looking for her identity. She doesn't know who she is, right? And, 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 and here's the thing. Here's the reason that, that no movement that says, hey, just affirm me and don't challenge me and don't ask me any questions. Here's the reason that doesn't work with Jesus. Because everyone who follows Jesus, he requires change from everyone. He says, take up your cross and follow me. You have value. You have worth. You are not who this world says you are. You are not who the enemy says you are. You are not who your boss says you are. You're not who your parents say you are. You're not even who I say you are. You are mine. You have my identity. You have my mark on you. Now go and live it. So Pastor Jeff and I were having this conversation about why is everyone on, on, on earth like so consumed and filled with anxiety right now? And, and, and we were talking about this and it was, it was the bottom line was this, was that they don't know their identity, right? They don't know who they are. They don't know whose they are. They don't know, they don't understand that they were made in the image of God, that they have his mark on them and that they were made to reflect him. And so that's what Jesus is telling this woman here. He's saying, hey, you're operating at this level, but I want you at this level, right? You're surviving and that's okay. You've got your head above water, but I want you thriving. You're making it right now. You're making it through, but I want you living abundant life. And so what does she do immediately? The Bible says that she leaves her water jar and she runs back to the village and she tells everyone, come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. And so she's living her purpose, right? This is why she was born, to go and reflect the image of Jesus. All those people that she never talked to, all those people that she avoided, she's now going straight, in, straight into that group and saying, come see a man that told me everything that I ever did. You know, that's our only purpose, is to, sh is to show people, look, you can't save anybody, if you've got lost loved ones, you can't save them. All you can do is point them to the living water. All you can do is reflect the image of the sun that lives in you. But see, that's where the enemy stops us. That's where he tries to trick us. That's where he tries to trap us and stop us. He, he, because what he'll do is he'll point out any, a little detail from your past or something that sticks in your mind. You wake up in the morning, you wake up at three o'clock and you're thinking about it and you're like, I don't, I don't even remember... You know, this memory just pops out of nowhere and it tries to hold you back and it tries to stop you. Or he'll take some little comment that somebody makes, maybe off the cuff, and he'll, he'll use it and you'll be thinking about it and you'll think, and it'll convince you that you're, that you're unqualified to do what he's called you to do. Maybe he'll take something your parents spoke over you and he'll use it to just haunt you, right? But here's the thing. Jesus wants to point out those things right? He wants to point out those things, but it's not to shame you. It's to bring wholeness. See, Jesus wants to take those things and he wants to pour his grace out on them and he wants to watch you flourish. 
Amen? So here's what we're gonna do this morning, okay? We're gonna have a little therapy session here, okay? How many could use a little, little counseling sesh, okay? All right, so I've got three keys to living a confident and successful life, and I'm gonna burn through these really quick, all right? Three keys, so if you're taking notes this morning, if you got something on your phone, you wanna write this down, there's three keys to living a confident and fearless life, okay? Here's key number one is understand your mission. Okay? There are dreams and visions that God has placed inside of you that he's not placed inside of anybody else. And in fact, if you told anybody else, they'd probably think they sound weird or crazy. Like if I ever told anybody like, hey, I wanna go to Brazil and like live in one of the roughest places and, and minister to kids, like nobody else, nobody wants to do that, right? This is a God-given dream or vision that he's placed inside of you. I have this uh, document that I keep called a life mission statement, right? And I keep it in the cloud so that I can go and change it all the time and look at it. And, but, but I literally wrote down on here why I believe that God has placed me on this earth. And I encourage you to do the same thing, right? If you don't know where to start, number one, ask God. Number two, if you really just have no clue where to start, start with something like this. I was created for his good pleasure to commune with God and to point other people to him. Maybe you can just start there right? And eventually you can work into other stuff that you believe that you're supposed to do. All right, here's number two. Keys to living a confident and fearless life. We're going to worship him in spirit and in truth, right? So this morning, I want to pause for a second, okay? Don't let this be weird. I want you to think for a second. I want you to ask the Lord to show you the areas in your life where fears and insecurities have held you back from doing what he's called you to do, okay? I'm just gonna pause here for just a second, okay? Just ask the Lord in your own words. God, what fears and insecurities have held me back from doing the things that you put inside my heart that you want me to do? Okay, and then here's what we're gonna do. Those areas where you feel like you've been damaged, where you feel like you have trauma, where you feel like things have been spoken over you. Number one, I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna ask you to by faith choose to forgive those people. Okay, you may not even have the strength to forgive them. You may not even want to forgive them. Okay, by faith, choose in Jesus' name to forgive those people. And he'll come in and he'll give you the strength in order to do that. Okay? And here's, here's the result. When Jesus identifies those things, see, here's the result. When that Samaritan woman left the well, it says that people came streaming from the village to see him. Verse 39 says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. See, here's the thing, God wants you free and then he wants to use you to set other people free. Here's number three, to live a confident and fearless life is give God your yes. So Pastor Jeff was up here last week and he was talking about some promises that God had given him and he just felt like the Lord had spoken to him and said, I need your yes. Right? I need you to sign on to this. I need you to sign on to the vision that I have for you. Right? Sometimes God wants to hear that we're on his page, that we're following him, 
that we're following his marching orders, that we're following his direction. And here's what Jesus says right after this woman leaves. He says, you know the saying, this is verse 35. He says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up, wake up and look around because the fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit that they harvest is people being brought to eternal life. So what joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvest, and it's true, but I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work and now you're gonna get to gather the harvest. You know what he's talking about here? He's talking about wells you didn't dig. He's talking about goods that you didn't produce. He's talking about vineyards that you didn't plant. He's talking about a work that he orchestrates. And he sees the big picture and he's got all of these pieces and all he needs you to do is your small little part, right? He's not asking you to save the whole world, but he is asking for you, yes. He's asking you to step out. He says, the fields are ripe and I'm looking for your yes. And yeah, I know you're unqualified. I know you're not qualified. If you were qualified, it wouldn't be me. That's what he's saying. It wouldn't be my strength. It wouldn't be my glory. It wouldn't be my work. It would be yours. And so this morning, every single area where you feel that you aren't enough, I believe God's pointing out this morning and he wants to highlight and he wants to heal and he wants to pour his grace on and cause you to flourish, amen? Can you stand with me? We're gonna pray here in just a minute. Listen, I tried to get away from this message three times. I had some other things that I really wanted to talk about. And I felt like, so Pastor Jeff asked me to speak and I really felt like this is what I was supposed to go with. And I started, you know, and, and, and I, I, I went like three different directions and God just kept pulling me back. And he said, I want you to speak on being confident and fearless. And like the third time that that happened, it was like, what, what am I not getting? Okay, this is what he wants to speak, right? And so I believe that he spoke something this morning and it's just to remind you of something and this comes straight from Romans 31 and it's a very simple phrase, but I believe that somebody needs to hear this this morning, that God is for you and he's not against you, right? Some of you have been fighting You've been fighting with God. You've been fighting with the plans that he has for you. You've been fighting with his, his will for your life and you just haven't given him that yes. And I want you to know his yes is the best possible thing that you can determine for your life. Believe me, he's got a better plan than you've got. So this morning, here's what we're gonna do. I believe he's called us to, in, to step in to a new season. And I believe that season is supernatural ministry. I believe it's for every single person in this room. I believe it's, I believe it's for everybody on this planet. But the ones who are gonna step into that are the ones who say yes, are the ones who give them their yes. So this morning, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna worship him for a minute and we're gonna worship him in spirit and we're gonna worship him in truth, okay?
And we're gonna be honest about those areas that we lack. We're gonna be honest about those areas that we feel that we're, that we're insecure, that we're insignificant, that we can't make it, that we can't do anything. We're gonna just bear those open before him and we're gonna worship him in spirit and truth. And here's what he says. He says in 2 Corinthians, he says, I've caused every grace to overflow to you so that you always have everything that you need to exceed, not just do, but to exceed in every single good work. And he tells this story about this guy who's got this neighbor and he says that this, this guy has got a friend coming into town and it's like three o'clock in the morning and his friend comes to him and, 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 and the guy goes to his neighbor and he, he's knocking on the door and he says, hey, I need bread to give to this guy who's coming to town. Right? And, and, and the Bible says that this guy's already in, in bed and he's got his wife and kids in bed and he don't want to get up and, and mess with that. But the guy keeps knocking. He keeps knocking. And as he does that, the Bible says that even if it weren't, even if this, his, his neighbor wouldn't get up for their relationship, because of this guy's just shamelessness at coming to him at three o'clock in the morning and saying, look, I got nothing, that that guy is gonna get up and give him everything he needs. Here's what that, here's what that means. That when it comes to ministry, that when it comes to you imparting something into somebody else's life, sometimes you feel awkward. Sometimes you feel like you don't have the words to say. Sometimes like you, you, you don't feel like you have the, the prayers to pray or you don't have enough faith to pray over the person. It, it just says this, that when you go to God and you ask for bread for somebody else, that he's gonna get up every time and he's gonna give you everything that you need. So this morning, we're gonna ask him for bread.